welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. If we haven't met, my name's Scott. I'm not reading this out of the book. It's actually my name. Uh, I was just looking at the book as I said that. My name's Scott and I serve here at Grace Life and I uh, really want to welcome you this morning. We are in our series. We've been going on in a series on Galatians. Who's enjoyed the series on Galatians? Building upon chapter after chapter. It's been really, really encouraging, learning a lot. And uh, today we're landing in the last chapter of Galatians, which is Galatians Galatians 6. And uh, I'm going to invite Ash to come and, and read the first part of Galatians 6. And I want to ask if we could stand together. I know you've been sitting for a while as well, so this might just get some blood flowing. Uh, But if we could stand together and just posture ourselves for the reading of the Word this morning. Wonderful. Galatians 6, verse 1 to 10. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should practice, should, sorry, should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from the sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Thanks, Ash. While we're still standing, if we could pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what's been read this morning. And we just pray that your spirit would minister to us today. God, we didn't come to to just read empty pages in an empty book. We came to encounter the living, risen Christ. And we pray that by your Spirit, you would help your Word to intersect our lives where we are right now today. We thank you. We honor you. And we just bless you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You can grab your seat. So getting into Galatians 6, let me ask you a question this morning. I need some interaction as well. I need you to be honest with me. I need you to raise your hand if, you, if, you, if you're with me on this. Hands up in this place. There's no judgments. There's no shame if you have ever begun a diet. All right, come on. There's a lot of people that are, either don't like putting their hand up or, yeah, right. All right, hand up if you started a diet before. All right, keep your hand up if you finish that diet. Okay, okay, okay. That's what I thought. Hand up if you ever had an intention to start doing a fitness class to join a gym. Yep, hand up if you're still there. Keep, well, yep. Come on, come on. I'm, I'm in good company this morning. You make me feel better about myself. 
I was thinking, you know, just this week, like, I've got this desire. I, I've been starting to get back into football. And uh, one of the things about football is you're not really good at football if you can't run. Yeah, you kind of need to be fit to be able to, to, to stay in the game of football. And so I'm like, you know what, I just want to kind of get my health a little bit better. This start of this year, I was thinking, uh, I want to be better than I was last year at footy and I want to be a little bit more healthier. And so, uh, you know, I thought I'm going to start eating healthy. You know what? I reckon diets, I can't back this up with scripture, but I reckon diets are demonic. I'll tell you why. In the garden... Eve was tempted with fruit. I'll just leave that out there. But I was thinking, you know, I've got to eat a little bit healthier. I've got to get to the gym. I'm going to do this, you know, that. And, you know, it was probably a Tuesday when I thought about this. And then I thought, you know what? I'll wait till Monday. Because Monday and January the 1st are the best days to change your life. And everything could be held off until Monday or January 1st. But then Monday comes and, um, you know, I think I'm going to get to the gym today. And then, uh, you know, big day on Sunday. No, nah, I'll leave it until next Monday. And then next Monday comes and I'm like, yep, yep, I'm going to get the gym, change my life, impact everything, healthy life, healthy life. Monday comes. It's not the right weather. You know, at this point in time, I try, I try to find out what the optimum weather is to go to the gym. It's like 17 degrees. And so it's like 18 degrees outside. I'm like, well, I missed it today. I'll wait. I'll wait for the next, you know, the next time. And then I look at what you have to do to be healthy, to eat healthy. And I'm like, what? Fruit? Vegetables? That sounds not that great. Give me some fruit roll-ups or something. Give me some, you know, some fruit pop-tarts or something like that. I'll, I'll, I'll be happy with that. But I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, you know, there's this, this desire in me to want to be healthy but there's also this other desire in me to sit on the couch and eat Doritos and not go to the gym. Even though I know the gym is good for me and I know that eating healthy would be good for me, there's this, this desire in me to do good, but there's also this desire in me to not do the good. And we read last week in Galatians 5, one of the most insightful passages that, that I think is in the Scriptures for us as humans. It says in, in, in Galatians 5, Verse 17, it says, The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of the sinful nature, of the sinful nature's desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. I don't know if you've ever felt like you're in the middle of a war and you're trying to do the right thing, you're wanting to do the good thing, you're wanting to do what God has called you to do, but there's this other part inside of you that is kind of leaning you in a different direction. Sometimes I feel like a bad Christian because there's this, this, there's this kind of stuff within me that's like, uh, I want to do good. I want to I wanna live like that. I want to follow what Jesus said there. I want to obey in that place. But there's just part of me that's like, no. There's part of me like, no, oh, there's some other stuff we could go and do. There's part of me like that, that, that's just like, that doesn't sound like fun. There's part of me that, and it feels like there is this war going on inside of me. Anyone else with me in this? And then I read a passage of Scripture like this, and it makes sense. It says, oh, there is a war going on inside of me. 
But he also gives us the way to, to have victory in that war, which is to be led by the Spirit of God. And when you allow the Spirit of God to lead your life, to prompt you, to guide you, to direct you, then you start to have war in, uh, you start to have victory in this war. And Galatians 5 talks about what, what the effects of this is, the war that's going on inside of you. When you feed the flesh, it says these are the results, the works of the flesh. And they're things that, that, that aren't going to bring life. And then he says when you, you follow the leading of the Spirit, It'll produce fruit in you. And this fruit is beautiful. It looks like Jesus. It smells like Jesus. It represents Jesus. And so we read last week that, that Paul is instructing the church about this, that there is this war going on inside of them. That, and and what, what side they choose, because you have a choice in what you will give leadership to, but what side they choose and who they choose to feed, the spirit or the flesh, will determine what is produced in their lives. And so it's not just about trying not to, it's about who am I looking to. And so he leaves us in that in the end of Galatians 5 by saying, there's this war going in, on inside of you. But then we go into Galatians 6, and, and this is in context because it's a full letter. It's not just, he didn't write it in little chunks and, and little bits. It's a letter where he starts to talk about how the, the war that is going on inside of you will affect the, war, the world that is around you. Let me, let me hold that for a minute. The stuff that's taking place inside of us, that struggle, that war, the flesh and the spirit, actually has an outworking in your external world. It is impossible. It is impossible, unless you're superhuman, to have things like that going on in your heart and not have them affect your relationships. It, it, you know, to have anger in your heart towards someone and not let that be expressed in relationship. What's happening on the inside is always going to affect what happens on the outside. And Paul starts to say, like, you look inside because there's stuff going on and, and who you give attention to, the spirit or the flesh, is going to affect what comes out. And then he starts to flow into this. And I think it's incredible, uh, you know, the, the way that he does this because he then says, well, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should, should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to, to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I reckon he picks up on this. The, the fact is, we, we have this war going on inside of us, and it starts to affect the world around us. And one of the things that we have a tendency to do as human beings is to see it in someone else before we see it in ourselves. You know, he starts to talk about the works of the flesh, and it's probably easier to, to look at someone else's life and see the sin in their life than it is to look at our own lives and see the sin in our own lives. And there is this tendency that, oh, those are the works of the flesh. That's what that's producing. Okay, well, who around here has that that I can help or that I can point out or that I can see? But I reckon he wants us to look internally before we look externally. I feel like Jesus teaches that, that, that you've got to deal with the, the log in your own eye before you start dealing with the speck in someone else's. And so he gives us this foundation that there's this stuff going on, but here is how we are to handle each other when we see it in one another. You know, it's almost like we, we, we like 
mercy for ourselves and judgment for others? Do we have the same tenderness for someone else that we would expect for ourselves? And he, he says, well, we've all got this stuff going on in our hearts. There's this, there's this war within each of us. None of us graduate from this. We, we might be mature as, as we follow the Spirit to where it doesn't have, have as much of an effect on us, but it's still taking place. And those things will affect the way that we look at people. Those things will affect the way that we relate to people. And, and, and the call then is to uh, look internally and then look outside graciously. Remember the, the thrust of this book is the grace of God. You didn't get where you are by your own works, by your own efforts, by your own doing results. It's all by the grace of God. You are where you are by the grace of God. You are who you are by the grace of God. And so let the grace of God be extended to those around you in the same way. So far, he's been dealing with how the grace of God, it affects us personally. And now he's looking at how it affects us relationally. Will you extend the same grace that you have received? If any of you see, uh, if any of you who are believers see someone who is caught up in sin, you should then what? Judge them? What? Point the finger? What? Cast them aside? What? You should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Your role is to help in restoration. As I've been praying this week, I feel that, that, that word restoration, that this would be a house of restoration that this would be a place of restoration where the broken come in, where, 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 they, where people come in with whatever their mess is, whatever their junk is, and, and they find a place of restoration, where we are a people of restoration. I, prophes- I feel to prophesy that, that we will be known as a house of restoration, where broken lives become whole, where, where those who have addictions get free, that we would be a place of restoration that we would be known not as grace life for the title on the building, but people would know the grace of God when they interact with us, when they speak to us. They would smell God's grace on us. A house of restoration. Let you who are believers, who are mature, who are spiritual, gently and humbly help others back onto that right path. And be careful not to fall into the temptation, the same temptation yourself. Eugene Peterson puts it like this. You know what? By the end of the day, you might be the one in sin. I'm one dumb decision away from a whole different life. It's the grace of God that brought us to this place, and it's the grace of God that sustains us in this place. And then he says something that I think is so cool. He's like, if you think you are too important to help someone, you're fooling yourself. You are not that important. Come on. Not talking about your worth in Christ. Your worth in Christ is untouched. But he's talking about not thinking you're better, you're superior, you're above someone else. You're not beyond stooping to, to reach out a hand to help someone else. You are not that important. I thought about getting a bracelet. Not what would Jesus do, but you are not that important. So when I look at my hand, I remember, oh, I'm not that important. I can help anyone. You are not that important. That's a really encouraging word this morning. Come on. Someone say amen. 
But it leads into my second uh, point, which is also a really encouraging word. It's a, the thought is this. Here's some advice. Mind your own business. Did he just say that? I didn't say that. I think Paul actually said that. I've just reworded it. He says in verse 4, Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Pay careful attention to your own work. And then you're not going to need to look at other people to compare yourselves to them. You know, we often lose our way when we lose our why. When we forget why we're doing what we're doing, when we forget who we're doing it for, we can look up and look around and see what everyone else is doing or what everyone else is not doing. And we can start to focus on that and compare ourselves. Why is that person doing that? They should be doing it like this. Why is this person not doing that? They should be doing this. Well, 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 hang on a second. Mind your own business. I'm trying to be nice here. I said that with a smile. You get what I'm saying, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to be brash. Maybe I am. Pay attention. I'll just say what Paul said. Pay attention to your own work. Mind your own business. If you get captivated by Jesus... If you look to Jesus, if you love Jesus, guess what? You have less time to look around at what everyone else is not doing or everyone else is doing. When you are captivated by the call of God on your own life, of what He has put in your hands to do, guess what? You stop looking around at everyone else to compare everyone else. Because we've we got to look at what God has given to us and then focus on that and then encourage others in what God is doing in their worlds. Relationally, we get to express grace to each other. We get to express the grace of God to each other. Pay careful attention, for you don't need to compare any, yourself to anyone else. Verse 5, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. I'm responsible for me. Who's responsible for you? You. You're responsible for what God has put in your hands, what He's called you to do. I'm responsible for what God has called, called me to do, what He's put in my hands. Now, we encourage each other. We help each other. I'm not saying just like do this in isolation because that's not right. I'm saying we do this. We work this out in community. We help one another along. But we don't get focused on what someone else is not doing or what someone else is doing and let that steal the attention from what we should be looking at, which is our own lives and what God has put in our hands. Imagine if uh, we were doing a building you know, think about this, right? If God is the master architect, so God is the one who, who designed the call of every person in this room. And every one of us is unique. We're different. We're, we're individuals. He's, he's shaped us, changed us. He's transformed us. He's put gifts and talents in us that are different to one another. Isn't that good? But don't we like it when everyone's like us? And everyone has the same passions as us and everyone wants to do the same things as us and everyone likes the same stuff we like and everyone speaks the same way we speak. But that's not how God works. And in His diversity, it's, it brings this beautiful picture of the manifold wisdom of God in, in the way that He works. But imagine if the master architect came and gave the plans for Stella's life and said, this is what you know, I've called you to. These are the plans that I want you to build. And he came to Jake and said the same thing. These are the, the plans that I want you to build from. 
you know, these, this is the call that I've given to you. This is what I've put in your life. You guys want to stand up? I didn't prep them at all. They're like, why have I got a piece of paper in my hand? But then Jake starts to stop looking at, at his plans and starts looking at why Stella's doing the way she's doing. It's the same, they're both blank pieces of paper. <laughs> Pretend, guys. Did you ever go to kids' church? Jake, Jake loses focus because he's, he stops looking at his plans and starts looking at Stell's plans and criticizing her for how she's building her house. That's what he's doing. That's what the nod is. And then Stell gets confused because she's like, well, why are you looking at my plans? This is what God's given me to do. And then she starts to look at his and says, well, you should be doing yours differently. You guys are so great. Thank you so much. Let's give him a hand. Let me write a little note. Prep people prior. My bad. I hope that made sense. They're building different things that will eventually bring glory to God in the, in the way that they work, but they are different. And so they want to not compete with one another, but complement one another, to, to encourage one another, to say, what you're doing over there, it's real different to what I'm doing, but go ahead. I want to champion you in that. I want to encourage you in that. If I can help in any way, let me know. You with me? You with me? Because let, let, me, let, me, let me just prime you for something. If God is going to make us a house of grace and a house of restoration, guess what is going to come in this room? Different. People who smell different, people who look different, people who think different, people who come from different backgrounds. And yeah, we all want revival. We all want people to come to, the, to know Jesus. But then what happens with people that are different to us? Are we willing to say, you know what, God's doing something in that person's life? I remember once being in a, in a, in a meeting and someone walked in, they smelled of smoke. And someone looked and said, I can't believe people are smoking. And I said, mate, that smells like the grace of God. That smells like God's doing a work in someone's life to bring them into a place where they're going to be positioned for an encounter with Him. And maybe they'll walk out smelling different. What if someone walks in here with, you know, colored hair? And you're like, oh, Amber. <laughs> what if someone walks in here with tattoos on their face? What if someone walks in here that looks different? Are we going to stand and judge and think? And or are we going to say, good, God's doing something here? What happens when we open that storehouse and when people from our community start flooding in? Are we, are, are we good? Are you with me? I think this is actually a, a time when we have to think, you know, there are going to be different people that call this place home. And how good is that? We're not going to look the same. We're not going to smell the same. We're going to be different. And we've got to focus on, on what God is calling us to do and not compare ourselves to anyone else. Not to compare. And then the last little thing there with this passage, which you've probably heard many, many times, it says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. For those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please God, please the Spirit, will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, you, you will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity to do so, 
sorry, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in that family of faith. Here's the last thought. Sow, sow, sow your boat gently down the stream. Sow, sow, sow your boat gently down the stream. What does he say there? He says, don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God. What you sow, you shall reap. And if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap in the Spirit. If you sow in the flesh, then you will reap in the flesh. So what are you sowing to? What are you sowing into? And I know this this passage has probably been used many times, particularly from a financial point of view. It is not limited to finances. It's not just being talking about money. It's talking about all things in life that what you sow into, you will reap from. I taught, I've done some you know, chats in um, different schools with kids about choices. And the same principle applies to this passage of Scripture. What you sow, you will reap. Imagine that this, this, is, this green is the spirit. It's a spirit stick. It's green. It's a spirit stick. This red one is flesh. It's flesh, okay? This is what is being reaped. This is what is being sown. If I sow to the flesh, what do I pick up? Flesh. If I sow to the Spirit, what do I pick up? Spirit. It is not possible for me to sow to the flesh and pick up the things of the Spirit. Are you with me? What I choose to sow into, I will reap from. What it is that I sow into, I will reap from. He says, so those who sow into the Spirit, those, sorry, those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature, they will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing good. For in due time you will reap if you do not get tired. I asked the question of us this morning, what are we sowing into? What, what, what are we investing our lives into? What are we sowing into in prayer? What are we sowing into with our finances? What are we sowing into with our lives, with our thinking, with our time, with our words? What are we sowing into? There is no idle action. You are sowing into something. It's not a passive thing. It's not, not, not a neutral thing. There, there are two places, the spirit or the flesh. What are we sowing to? And how do we sow? Well, we, 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 we sow as we are led by the Spirit, as we obey the prompting of the Spirit, as we go in the direction that the Spirit would lead us. And sometimes those things that we sow in the Spirit, the, to other people, they don't make sense. So when Garfield and Sue have it, make a decision to sow a certain amount of money in the Spirit, it might not make sense to anyone else, but they know they've heard from God, and so they obey what God has said. Every one of us, what are we sowing into? What are we sowing into? And then he says, do not get tired of doing good. 
which says to me it's actually possible for us to get weary, to get tired of doing good. Do, doing what, what sort of good? I, I don't think he's just saying about good works. I think he's, he, he's saying about choosing good, choosing to respond when the Spirit leads. Yeah, sometimes it can get tiring being obedient. Am I allowed to say that? You're, you're, you know, I'm, I'm moving in this direction and, and I'm getting criticized or I'm, I'm, I'm hearing this or, and I'm just trying to do what God is calling me to do. And sometimes it gets tiring. But again, even in doing good work, sometimes it gets tiring. Sometimes you wake up in the morning and it's just like, really, today, i got to go do what yeah, I'm supposed to be doing. Tired. Weary. My soul is like dry. It's rough. It's tough. It's hard. Like, it, it, it is possible for us to grow weary, to, to grow tired in doing what is right and following God and doing good. But Paul says, just continue on. Don't grow tired. Don't grow weary because in due season you will reap if you do not grow tired. I don't know where you're at today, but um, I know there's times when I, I get so tired. He also says there, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the household of faith. Those do-gooders. Those do-gooders, those Christians. Imagine if people said that. But yeah, go back to what I was thinking before. The, uh, the, the war inside, the enemy within, in here. Do you know that the church can actually be its worst enemy at times? Because we, we break each other down rather than building each other up. We speak ill and bad of each other. I've actually, I, I would say, I, I, I've received more criticism from Christians than I have ever received from anyone outside of the church. Funny. But what if, the church, what if people around our church actually said, you know what, those Christians, those do-gooders, they actually do good. Mind-blowing. They actually benefit our community from being here. They actually, just having them in our street changes things. They're good people. They do good things. I was in India at the start of last year, and I met a, na a lady named Nagama. Nagama is, uh, she lives in the slums. So, like in the slums of Mumbai, which is like slummy. She, they, we went, we went uh, the pastor that was with us, he took us through all the slums, all the different houses, and we went to all these different houses, which when I say house, it's like, you know, a room, and about four or five people would live in this room. And we went to this lady Nagama's house, and she, uh, she actually is a, like, she's a widow, and she cares for all of the widows in the slums. And she is known throughout the whole slums as the lady that cares for the widows. So when there, when there is issues that they have, when they have needs, when, when, when things come up, Nagama is the one that they call. They, they, they bring her into the houses, the homes to help. They connect with her. Through this, she's a, she's a passionate Christian. Through this, she has shared the gospel with so many people. And to the point that she's grown her own life group to about 20 widows that live in these slums. This is a lady that lives in the slums of Mumbai that none of us knew her name before this morning. 
but her whole life is focused on Jesus and doing good. And I, I, I met her, and I was humbled by her. And we, we went to this meeting, and we, we, uh, we did a, a church service in the slums. And uh, we had lots of different people from the slums come to this, this meeting, and we're praying for people. And you know, stuff is happening. People are like being moved. There's demonic stuff taking place, casting out devils, all sorts of stuff. But Nagama is bringing one after the other, widow after the other, to come and be prayed for, to come and be blessed. And then it gets to the end of the, uh, of the service and everyone leaves the church and she's part of the, the, the team there. So we're, we're praying. And God just, as we're praying for like all of these people, God just puts her, her in my heart and says, wash her feet. I thought she walks with no shoes on. In slums. And as we're praying, I'm thinking, all I'm thinking is that scripture. How beautiful are the feet of those who share the good news. Wash your feet. I'm like, no, Lord, someone else. But I felt like, man, I am so humbled by, by just knowing this lady and seeing what she does. And so I said to the pastor, I feel like God is saying to me to wash her feet. And he says, no, she will never allow that. You're a, a dignified pastor from Australia. She will never allow that. And I said, can you just ask her? Because I feel like that's what God said. And then he asked her and she like breaks down in tears. And she says, yes, you can wash my feet. And so then I, I go over and I started to wash her feet. And um, I'm praying blessing over her as we're, I'm washing her feet. And in that moment, God was saying to me, you're not too important. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This lady that, you know, I've never met before that isn't on a stage, doesn't have a name in lights, doesn't have, you know, all the, the cool Christian people is changing the world by her obedience and her humility. And I felt honored to be part of that, to just wash her feet. All she does, she doesn't have a degree, she doesn't have an education all she does is good. She cares for people that are around her. She connects with people that she, has, she does life with. And she just does good. She does good. And her reputation throughout all of the slums in, in that area is that she's the one who helps the widows. I wonder if the reputation of the church would be, hey, they're the ones who help. They're the ones that do good. They're the ones that when we've got issues, we, we come to see them. Primary school next door, I'll finish with this because I know it's getting late. We could have lunch together while we're in here. Is that, is that cool? Is that a thing? No, nah, jokes. The primary school next door. So we've built a real good relationship with this primary school. And they come, principal contacts and says, hey, you know what? We've, we've, we've realized that within our primary school, there are a lot of... Um, a lot of our grandparents that are now looking after their kids, after their kids' kids, and it's been a big thing for them. Are you guys able to put on a lunch for them and just show them how much you know, they're appreciated? I thought, wow. They're asking us to do good. Not a Christian school, but they think, you know, if we want to do good to someone, who are we going to call? Not the Ghostbusters. 
We're going to call the church because they are known for doing good. So don't grow weary in doing good. As we finish today, I want to pray. And I want to pray for us, in, for particularly when we're, if we're feeling in that space. Because I know it's easy to say, don't get tired. I know it's easy to say, don't grow weary. And sometimes when you're in that space where you already feel tired, it's like, don't tell me, because I'm already there. But Jean-Luc picked up on it this morning, the sense that God wants to refresh and to, to again, re-energize our spirit. That we would have passion, that we would have life, that we would be able to do what God calls us to. He says there, I love it at the end, where at the end of that part, he says, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good for everyone. And I was thinking this week, the, the, the opportunities that I miss usually come in the places and the spaces in my life when I'm like flat, when I'm like, I just can't be bothered. I don't have the energy. I don't have the time. I, 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 I can't. But what if there was a way that we led, we lived by the Spirit of God where we're in this constant state of graciousness, this constant state of, of the fruit of the Spirit being outworked? I wonder if that's what he's alluding to there. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.